Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Spilled Tea, your place for the latest on pop culture, entertainment news, and LGBT issues. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Spilled Tea. I'm your host, Emmy Morgan. Hi. Um, Kyle may be joining us. He may not be. It's okay. I think the new schedule for this show is every other week. Committing to it on every week, on a weekly basis, has been a little bit challenging just because, like, last week I was um, I was with family. So it was like hard for me to get away. It's just it's it's easier to plan with an every two week thing. So it's funny um, getting into the show now. I put it as untitled because I didn't actually know exactly what I was going to talk about at first, and then after I did some um, sitting down with myself, okay, what do I want the show to be about? I just said I wanted to be a smorgasbord of different things. Let me tell you, there's a lot going on in this episode. Um, I'm going to start off with my movie reviews. I have two, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harlequin. I adored this movie, but I felt like it needed different actors in two of the major roles. Here's what happened. So it lists directly from the comics and from the TV show that Harlequin was created from. If many of you don't know, I, okay, so I'm a closet superhero geek and cartoon geek. I say closet because I don't put it out there that much. But I used to watch in the 90s a cartoon series called Batman the Animated Series. It has won Emmys for voice work. It's won Emmys for the show. Like, it's a really good series. It's basically, obviously, it's about Batman, but it shows the the world that they live in is in the 90s, but it's Gotham City set in the like 60s so they're driving older looking cars there they have older clothing but it's still current to the 90s I don't know how to explain it but um it's such a good show it is I'm probably gonna watch it oh that's the only series and it's got four seasons I'm looking right at my box set that is the only series besides Okay, that's a lie. There are two other series that I've watched again and again. Gem and the Holograms. Well, it's called Gem, but it's about Gem and the Holograms. I've watched that over and over a couple times. And Sex and the City I've watched over and over. And also Batman the Animated Series. That, that cartoon 
Batman the Animated Series has sparked so much creativity. It created Harlequin. It brought the Penguin and the Joker together in a way. Like, it just, it took all of the minor Batman villains and made them major. You know, um, uh, Croc, um, the the Riddler, like, it's just, it's so good. The Joker was obviously a running villain played by Emmy Award-winning Mark Hamill, who got the, like, it's so crazy that Luke Skywalker was the Joker in that series because he sounds nothing like Luke Skywalker and everything like the Joker. And every Joker since has based their laugh, their performance on the animated series, except for Jack Nicholson, which... Mark Hamill drew off of. But in the series, Harlequin was created from that series, and she made, you know, a a huge splash. She's one of the most popular villains next to the Joker, you know. Um, Definitely the most popular female villain, even, I think, more so than Catwoman. Fun fact, that series had a episode where this little girl was like she had like Turner syndrome where she never grew up and she always stayed like a certain height a certain age look and based on that episode they made the movie Orphan just a little fun fact so um which was produced by Leonardo DiCaprio decided to that in Anyway, um, so yeah, Harle- so the, the story behind Harlequin is uh, that, first of all, the movie did an excellent job of bringing together the other female antiheroes and Harlequin in one storyline. Har- Her name was Harleen Quinzel. She... It doesn't say what happened to her mom, but her dad really did not want her. She grew up in foster homes. After she aged out of foster care, she became a psychiatrist at Arkham Insane Asylum. She ended up falling in love with the Joker as her patient. They became a couple, and then they broke up. It doesn't say why they broke up. They just broke up. She hasn't. Um, she adopted a hyena, who she named Bruce after Bruce Wayne. And it just tells her story. The thing about this is, after she breaks up with the Joker, now she's done despicable things with the Joker. She's done horrible things as his girlfriend. But once she's no longer his girlfriend, all of her protections are gone. She can no longer be deemed as untouchable. She's now touchable, so everybody wants to kill her. Along the way, she meets um, Brene Montoya, who is a detective with Gotham City Police Department, who's 
running a case against Roman, this guy played by Ewan McGregor, and that case involves a crossbow killer who is killing big mafia people in Gotham, and the crossbow killer is named Huntress. And also, who's also involved, is a singer at Roman's Club who goes by Black Canary because she's, you know, a songbird. She starts to see stuff going down in Roman's world, and she's not happy about it. So the four women get together and try to bring down Roman, basically. I'm not going to give anything away, but oh my God. I thought it was good. My only caveat was that Ewan McGregor and Chris Messina, who played Roman's right hand, were not properly cast. You needed people that had a bigger range. You needed people that just were... Not them. I just, I felt like Ewan was overacting. I felt like he was stretching his limits and it didn't, it fell short. Like he's got this, like, they didn't even do anything with, like, Chris Messina, at least he had, like, weird hair. It's like it was bleached blonde. He had scars over his face and body. He had weird teeth. Like he tried to get into character, but he still wasn't a good enough actor. Ewan looked like Obi-Wan Kenobi dressed in a suit and acting really crazy. Like maybe Obi-Wan was on meth or something. He did not fully engage himself in the role. He wanted to be recognized as Ewan McGregor when he should have maybe fluffed his hair, maybe shaved his head, maybe uh, did something to pull me out of the fact that he is Ewan McGregor. Or they could have cast somebody else. Um, It just wasn't a good fit for either one of those two. And that was the only, they weren't menacing. They weren't scary. I wasn't scared of them. They did horrible things, but I just wasn't scared of them. I was just like, oh, they're playing a role. Whereas Harlequin, I'm like, oh, my God, Margot Robbie is insane. And she's like, Harlequin could stab you at any second, even though she loves you. And I think if they had a more menacing, more menacing actors in those roles, I would have believed it more. But I didn't believe I didn't believe that they were scary enough. Sorry. Um, I also saw Bad Boys for Life, which was a continuation of Bad Boys One and Two. I went back and watched Bad Boys One and Two. Bad Boys One was really really good. Bad Boys Two was okay. Bad Boys Three was better than okay. I loved how. They updated the franchise without losing its character. And some of the same jokes are there. 
It's still funny. It's still action. There's a couple of what the huh moments. But overall, it was good. I liked it. I I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was good. Um, I can see it continuing on for a while, actually, and then stepping in, having a new generation. Um, I could totally see it. But it, it was really good. I liked it. Now, for my review that I've been waiting to review for like two hours. Power ended. Um, for those of you who have stars, it's available at 12 a.m. Let me tell you, the ending was shit. I was pissed off. They had to end it the way that they did. I get it. But let me tell you, it is setting up for Four more series. That's right. You heard me. Four more sequels. There's going to be Power Book 2 called Ghost, which is going to be centered around Tariq, his mom, Sax, um, two new characters, Mary J. Blige's character, who is like a drug kingpin and Method Man's character, who is like a shady lawyer. Ooh, that looks good. That looks so good. As long as they don't have the writers from the first half of season six, I'll be okay. But this show looks so good, and it's coming out this summer. I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to watch it. Um, I'm not going to give anything away if you haven't seen it the finale, but I kind of thought I was a bit surprised by how it ended, but I kind of knew how it ended too. Like there were some aspects where I was like, oh, and there were some aspects I was like, oh, of course, you know. So, um, So that's the first sequel. The second sequel is called Power Book 3, Raising Canaan, which is set in the 80s about Canaan and how he got Ghost and Tommy looped into his drug world, along with, obviously, Angela plays a part in it. Then there's another one called Book Four. Oh, now Book Two, Ghost, happens 48 hours after Power. So Book Four, Power Book Four, is called Influence. And that's all about Kate and him, his mayoral advances in um, New York. Power Book 5 is called Force. I have no idea what that's about. And I'm kind of excited that I don't know because it leaves it. I mean, the image that they showed was just like a car. So I don't know. Maybe it's a, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure what it is, but 
Um, I I just I I can't wait to find out what it's about. Oh, maybe that's about Tommy. Maybe that's because in one of the episodes this season, Tommy went to can um California. So maybe Force is about Tommy making his own name in California. Oh, oh, that would be good because we know that Tom they can't get rid of Tommy. Okay, first of all, he's alive. Second of all, he left, um, and they can't let that character go. I mean, they just can't. I think it's going to be interesting to see how the writers manage four different series at the same time. Like, are they all going to be, like, two in one year? Or I, I don't know how it's going to work. And then, like, are they going to have to skip a couple? Like, like if Power Book 2 comes out this summer, will it come out next summer with other things? Like, how is that going to work? I don't understand. But I can't wait. I'm going to watch all of them. Sorry. I'm going to watch all of them because they all sound good. Okay. I, and I'm thinking Force is about Tommy. Yes, because, oh, my God, yes, because Tommy's car is in Force. That's what it was. They showed a picture of a car, and I was like, why are they showing a picture of a car? It's Tommy's car. Okay, Force is about Tommy. Got it. So the writers have something different for each season or series, which is going to be good. Um even though I hate Tariq, I've hated Tariq ever since he got Raina killed. Actually, before that, I've hated Tariq. Um, I think Ghost, them naming it Ghost, means that Tariq is going to take on his dad's persona. And I'm not giving anything, I'm not giving anything away on that series finale. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Oh, my God, I'm so excited now that I figured out what Force was about. Um, although I could be completely wrong, too. So, um, Oh, sorry, I got distracted. Um, so let me just think what else we got to talk about. Um Uh, let's see. Oh, yes, I forgot. So from Tuesday to Friday, I was with my, um, brother-in-law. I was at his house. So my sister and my brother-in-law are divorced. And, well, they're divorcing. And he has a house. And she moved into an apartment. And the thing about it is she has an extra bedroom. Well, it's not an extra. He doesn't have, all right, she doesn't have any room in her apartment when I stay over there. But I can always crash on the couch. When I sleep over his house, his daughter sleeps in the bed with him, and then I get to sleep in her bedroom. And I know that sounds weird or whatever, but our family's close, and hopefully they become friends. And... I primarily help out with the kids, you know, like Friday was a hard day for your girl. Let me tell you, 
Friday was tough because I woke up, got the kids on Dan, my um, brother-in-law. He's like, oh, you know, I have to go into work early. Can you, like, get the kids on the bus? I'm like, okay, sure. Got both kids on the bus. And his house was, you know, he's got three dogs, so I decided to sweep the floor. And then I, and then that turned into um, run the dishwasher. That turned into do a load of laundry. That turned into clean the bathroom. That turned into, like, fluff the pillows on the couch. That turned into wipe the couch down because it's leather and there's fur on it. And then I was like, oh, my God, I'm tired. I broke the zipper on my boots. So at 12 o'clock, I went to the mall. I got my boots, um, I got some new boots, then I came, um, then I was like, oh, well, I'm hungry, so then I went and I ate lunch, and um, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to a movie, but it was already like 1.30, and I was like, crap, I can't, because my nephew gets off the bus at 2.30, and his sister gets off the bus at 3, so let me just go home. I went home, finished the laundry. Um, while I was watching my stories, but I did a little surprise for my nephew. He loves Taco Bell. So before I got back to their house, I went, got Taco Bell for him. He likes cheese quesadilla and Skittles, um, that Skittles freeze drink. Um, and then... And then I, um, he came off the bus and, you know, we talked a little bit. Then I waited for my niece. Um, and then after his, Dan got home at like 5.30ish, 6. Um, I had to feed the dogs right before we left. Um, well, the teacher did. And then, um. And then the dog, one of the dogs puked under you know, Nina's bed for, we don't know what he ate, had to clean that up. And then um, we went out to dinner and I was like, okay, and <laughs> if that's what domestic life is like, holy shit. And I really had like, oh, there was a lot. There was just a lot going on. And I, I, I realized this is what it's like being a domestic goddess. Like, holy shit. And the funny part is when I woke up and he told me that, he's like, you know, hey, I got to go to work early. Can you get the kids on the bus? The first thing I thought of was I can't go to the bathroom right now because I have to make sure the kids get ready first. So I actually have to wait for the kids to get ready, get them out of the house, and then I can go to the bathroom. That's what I was thinking to myself. And then that little window of time where I was by myself and I went to the mall, glorious. And I love those kids, don't get me wrong. But because the routine changed, where Dan usually gets on the bus, gets her on the bus during his days, Nina freaked out, and so I had to calm her down. And say morning. So then she did, and then she calmed down, and I was like, oh, my God, wow. That was a lot. That was a lot to deal with. Um, it was the whole thing was just a lot. I was like, holy shit. And the other days, well, Dan had the kids, um, I think it was 
let's see, he had the kids. I got there Tuesday, and they just went over to the mom's from Tuesday to Wednesday. I think he had them. Let's see. I think I, I was with them. Yeah, I was with them Thursday and Friday. It was a lot. Holy mother. I mean, holy whoa. It was a lot. Um, but I managed to survive. <laughs> Ooh, that was a lot. Um, yeah, and I just like glimpsed forward at you. Oh my gosh, what would my life be like? Would I be going through that? And probably yes. And I don't know. I don't know. It made me rethink a lot. Like, do do I want to be a parent and have to deal with all that? I mean, with my niece and nephew, there was an end point. I was leaving Friday, so I knew that. Okay, I mean, I'll come visit them again, but there's always an end point. But when you're an actual parent, there's no end point. You're just there. That's it. So, yeah, it was crazy. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, okay. I have to talk about Snoop Dogg's video. So, here's what happened. Gail King, she did an interview with Lisa Leslie, the the basketball player. And during the interview, Kobe came up. And Gail was very, um, what's the word? She started digging into what Kobe was like, you know, um, the allegations um, with his rape case and Lisa was just like listen he wasn't like that with me I didn't see that type of person he he was never like that around me um, he wasn't like that towards me around me I'm good talking about this Snoop Dogg went on Instagram and did a video and basically said, Gail King, you were out of pocket for what you said. Um, why are you, uh, why are, you know, black women, basically what he was saying was he was accusing Gail and Oprah being black women coming for black men because Oprah did it, the um, interview with the Michael Jackson accusers. And he said, you know, Gail, I'm coming for you. We can pick you up you know, which was weird to say. Um, And, you know, he was angry that people were calling his friend's name out of pocket a week after he died. Um, And then he did another video apologizing, saying he didn't mean to sound threatening. He would never threaten the 70-year-old woman. He has more respect for himself. He was just trying to say, that Gail needs to watch her mouth. Okay. Here's my take on things. And he also, which I think was amazing of him to say, Snoop addressed the fact that there was no expose done by Gail or Oprah about 
Harvey Weinstein accusers. So, here's my thing. I think Snoop was right to a point. He was right that both Michael Jackson and Kobe Bryant were alive for many years. Neither one of these women did a special about their accusers when they were alive. It is distasteful to ask a friend of Kobe Bryant about a sexual case that happened 17 years ago, two weeks after he died. That is distasteful. That, that should have never been asked. She should have never brought that up in the interview. Never, never, never. Sorry, the, the beast upstairs is awake. Um, he, he literally sounds like a wildebeest. Actually, you know what? He sounds like a drag queen wearing clogs. That's what he sounds like, like those really thick high heels. Those really thick, like, 70s type of heels. That's what he sounds like. If you can hear him. I can hear him, and I have earbuds in. Anyway, um, she should have never asked that question. And then Gail went online and posted a video saying how mad she was that she had this whole interview with Lisa Leslie, and all that was promoted was the Kobe question. And she was mad that her network did that. She wasn't mad the fact that she, she never apologized for asking those questions. She was mad that those questions were pulled out of context, she says, and broadcast. Oh, you know, I get that people would be offended. No, Gail, you should have never asked those questions. And I love Gail King, and I love Oprah Winfrey. But why didn't they do these specials when these people were alive? Like, Right now, Harvey Weinstein's alive. Bill Cosby's alive. Go ahead and do the specials with their accusers. Those women need to be heard. Go ahead and do a special on James Woods, who is alive, who was calling out the movie um, Call Me By Your Name, saying that it was pedophilia when he was hitting on 16-year-olds. He hit on Amber Tamblyn and, and her friend when she was 16. Nobody's talking about that. No one's doing a special with them. He was dating a 19-year-old when he was damn near in his 30s. No one's doing a special about that. Elizabeth Perkins held up a sign that says hashtag James Woods during a Me Too march. No one's asking her what she means. Why? Why aren't we doing this? Why are we going for the clickbait topic? You know, again, I love Gail King. I love Oprah. I think Oprah's, you know, I credit her as being one of my idols. But why didn't, why didn't she do this special when Michael Jackson was alive? Why are they waiting until these people are deceased to come up with these specials. It just, it feels a little clickbait-ish. And it feels a little sensationalized. I love the fact that the Central Park Five, who are all still alive, 
got to be part of telling their story. They got to see their story on the big screen. The people involved, the attorneys and Donald Trump, they can defend themselves if they want. They can, de- they can do whatever they want. But everybody's alive to defend themselves. Everybody al- is alive to respond. You know, it just it feels so disrespectful to be asking questions to somebody's friend about their demeanor 17 years ago. And what did she expect Lisa to say? Like, oh, yeah, he, he was a dirtbag. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, anyway. So that was Snoop's whole beef. Um, not sure what's going to happen. Hopefully it dies down because there's much more important things in the world. But I do hope every reporter takes notice. You know, the person that accused Kobe Bryant has her story. Let her tell her story if and when she wants to. Let her tell her story if she wants to tell it now or 10 years from now. What happened in this past is his past. I truly believe he was a changed person. Do I think he did what he did? Honestly, yeah, I do think he did. I think, personally, I think that there was a lot of confusion behind what happened. I read the deposition, and I think he thought it was forceful sex, and she thought it was rape. So I think that there were two people that had two different experiences that day, and that's where we are. I also think that since that experience, he changed into being an amazing guy. And by the time he passed away, he was not the person to ever confuse any situation. He was raising four daughters, and I guarantee you he would not want any one of his daughters to go through what his accuser went through with him. So I, I just think he was a different person. And people are allowed to change. Chris Brown, I don't think he's going to change. I think he's still a violent person. I think he still doesn't regret some of the things that he does. And we've been waiting for him to change, but he hasn't. He's not gone to therapy. He's not taking time off. You know, album after album, tours, um, different baby mamas. Like, it's just he's not seeking the help that he needs. And I don't know if Kobe went through therapy or not. I'm not sure, but I... I feel, in my opinion, I feel like he changed. He was not that type of guy anymore. That's just my opinion. Um, yeah, so. Uh, I was trying to think of my Eva Mendez moment. I don't really have an Eva Mendez moment. Um, oh, 
Um, uh, do I? I'll come back to it. Um, I'll come back to it. Um, I did want to give a quick shout out to one of my other idols. Her name is Alexandra Billings. She is a biracial trans woman who is starring on Broadway at the Gershwin Theater in the play Wicked as Madame Morble. Shout out to her. She is such an amazing creature. She's, she's been on Transparent. She's been in other things. I love you, Alexandra. I'm so happy for you. Keep doing what you're doing. You're amazing. And also another Alexandra that I have to shout out. And I know I've shouted her out before, but I just want to give her another shout out. I don't care. Alexandra Gray, who is on the final season of Empire. This girl is moving. I guarantee you she will probably win in any, a Golden Globe and an Oscar and or an Oscar because this woman can act her ass off. And pretty soon I'm going to have her as a guest. I cannot wait for everybody to hear her story. She is truly an amazing person. She's, she's amazing. I just freaking love her so much. Um, so want to give her a quick shout out. Um, My Eva Mendez moment. Let me think. Um, hmm. I'm not quite sure what my Eva Mendez moment is. I have to think about that because I, I, I was gonna, I was prepared to write it, and then I just blanked. Um. But, oh, also, he promised, I don't know if you guys remember, um, but Shane Johnson from Power, he did promise to come back after um, the series finale. So hopefully we get him back on and he can tell us just a teeny weeny hint of Power uh, book two. Ghost. Maybe I should like book him right before the premiere, or maybe after the premiere of the first episode, just to give people some time to watch the series finale and also watch the first season. Yeah, I'll I'll do that. I'll reach out to him then. But um, I'm so excited about that. So now for the big thing, I want to talk about the Oscars. The Oscars are tonight, and I'm notorious for boycotting them. Um, What I do is I actually go on imdb.com, and I just keep refreshing to see who the winners are, that kind of thing. I I just would rather not watch. I mean, am I missing something? I don't know, maybe. But I just feel like, hmm. 
I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of over the Oscars, really. So, um, I personally, and I think we went over this before, but um, the only two movies, I'm going to go through like the major categories. The only two movies I haven't seen that were Oscars, three, actually, sorry. Three movies I haven't seen that were Oscar-nominated, um, Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, and Parasite. I personally think that 1917 will win Best Picture. It was an atypical movie. It wasn't about a love story. There wasn't a love story there. There wasn't a I mean, there kind of, sort of, a little bit was, but it was a true story, and it tugged at the heart. It was mostly about two brothers. Oh, it was so good. I think that will win. I, yeah, I think that will win. Best Director. Um, I'm going to have to go with, man. See, this is tough because would the Academy give Todd Phillips an Oscar, the man who directed the Hangover trilogy? I'm going to say it's going to be Sam Mendes, the, um, the director of 1917. They typically split it. Like, they'll give the Oscar to somebody else opposite of who won Best Picture. Maybe, you know what? You know what? Maybe it's going to be, but the only thing is, okay, for me, it's going to be either between Todd Phillips, which would be like a Cinderella Dark Horse story, and Sam Mendes. Best Actor, I mean... There's no way anybody else is beating Joaquin Phoenix. There's no freaking way. He was amazing. He was, let me repeat, he was amazing. Nobody else gave up. And I didn't, you know, I'll be honest with you. I didn't see Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory, and I didn't see Jonathan Price in The Two Popes. But I saw Joaquin and Joker. Holy mother of God. Wow. And I think that would be the first time two people won an Oscar. No, it won't. It won't. Okay. That'll be the second time two people won an Oscar for the same character, sort of. Um, Heath Ledger was Joker and one supporting best actor, and then Joaquin would win best actor for the Joker. But the thing is, their characters were different names. So he, um, Joaquin is Arthur Fleck, and um, they never revealed what the first name, the actual name of Heath Joker was. So who's, I don't know. I'm not sure. But the person, the two people that did win two Oscars 
for the same role, Robert De Niro and Marlon Brando for Godfather. They played the same character in different movies, and each won an Oscar for their portrayals. So just to let you know. A little trivia there. Um, best Actress? Uh, okay. So I really, 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 really want Cynthia Urzio to win for Harriet because then that will make her an EGOT. She already won a Tony, she won a Grammy, and she's won a Golden Globe. If she just wins this Oscar, it will make her an EGOT. But also, I mean, Renee Zellweger was phenomenal as Judy. I think it's going to be between those two because Renee had an amazing comeback in this movie. I mean, she was Judy Garland, hands down. Like, wow, hands down. She was like, she tilted her head like her. She sounded like her singing, speaking, like she was her. Um, best supporting actor. Oh, um, I'm gonna say Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is my pick. The other men have all won Oscars before. Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, Anthony Perkins, Tom Hanks, they've all won Oscars. Brad Pitt has never won an Oscar. And that's, um, That's kind of how I feel with Cynthia. She's never won an Oscar, but Renee has. But Renee really nailed it as Judy. I mean, she really did. Maybe they both will win. I don't know. But Brad is definitely going to win for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He was that good. Um, yeah, I can't think of anybody else that, I mean, Al Pacino is always fucking amazing. But yeah, I think he would. I think Brad's gonna win that one. Best supporting actress. Oh, this one's a toughie. I'm gonna go with Laura Dern. Here's why. Laura Dern has been on a fucking streak. She wins like everything. In the past two years, she's anything that she's been in, she's won an, an award for. And her role, although it was kind of small, was really good. And she just, like, ripped off lines. She had monologues. She was really good. Kathy Bates is obviously awesome, and she always will be. Margot Robbie, I did not see Bombshell, but I'm assuming she was awesome. <sighs> I'm going to say Laura Dern. Um, that's my pick. Best original screenplay? I mean, listen, I loved Knives Out, but Quentin Tarantino is fucking amazing. This guy just, he he writes brilliant. And guess what? No N-word in this film. I was very happy. Um, yeah, Once Upon a Time for Quentin Tarantino. I just feel like that's his award. It's going to be locked. 1917 was really close. 
but I think once upon a time, it's just so original. Once upon a time in Hollywood, yeah. Gonna have to go with that one. Um, best adapted screenplay. Um, and I'm gonna have, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm gonna have to say Joker. Yeah, the Irishman was good, but it was three and a fucking half hours long. Didn't see Little Women, didn't see Two Popes, didn't see Jojo Rabbit. I'm going to say Joker. I think it surprised everybody how amazing it was. It made a billion dollars. It just transcended what a comic book movie, it, it further transcended what a comic book movie is. And it told the story of the villain. And it made you feel like bad for him. Yeah, I'm going to say Joker. The last one I'm going to uh, category is that I'm going to um, comment on is best animated series or best animated feature. Sorry. I didn't see all of them. I actually only saw one, which is Toy Story 4. And I mean, that series is consistent. I, I, I can't, you can't go wrong with them. I'm going to say Toy Story 4 for the sentimental favorite. It just constantly, that series constantly gets better and better. Although the second one is my favorite with um, lots of, tons of love or lots of love or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, those are my picks. Um, yeah, I just uh, now I kind of want to watch. Ugh, this sucks. I I never. Oh, uh, maybe I should watch. Oh, I'm torn now because I didn't plan on watching. I really want to. Uh, damn it. Yeah, maybe I'll watch. Uh, um. really don't want to watch it. Um, So my last thing I wanted to say before I let you guys go for the the week. I'm a part of a film called Kitty. It's a film um, that my friend Brandon, one of my best friends of 20 years this February, actually. February 20th is when we met. Um, Brandon is a filmmaker. He's been one of my best friends, like I said, since February 20th, 2000. And he asked me to be a part of this film behind the scenes. And I don't want to reveal too much about the film because um, it's not out yet. And we're not discussing it yet, but we're trying to self-fund this film as much as we can. To do that, Brandon actually put together a calendar. If you go to Kitty, K-I-T-T-Y, thefilm.com, go to the shop and go to Kittens Plus Queers 2020 calendar, you can support the film by buying a $20 calendar. We would really, really, really appreciate it. 
it will um, go towards the production of the calendar. And, oh, okay, on the website, it actually says what, what it's about. So I can tell you. Okay. So it's about two characters. The two characters are um, a white boy who's gay, and he just became homeless, and a black trans girl who's been on the streets for a while. He's 17, she's 18. They make a pact to see who can get HIV first, a.k.a. the kitty. Here's the thing. They over they think that one of their friends has gotten the kitty. So in their mind, when you get the kitty, you get set up in the life. You get an apartment. You get fed all the time. So that's what their pact is. Who, who can get it first? win some arbitrary prize of saying they got it first. Um, so buying a calendar will help support the production of that. And if you see on the website, Kitty the Film, K-I-T-T-Y the film.com, you'll see that Brandon is the writer, the director, Oh, sorry, Brandon is the writer, but there's another director, sorry. And we're actually trying to get some pretty big names for the film. So, again, just please support. Go to kittythefilm.com. Go over to shop. And I know it's February, but if you could buy a calendar, that would be amazing. It's $20, and I think it's like 4 or $5 for shipping. Please, please, please buy a calendar. Um, we would greatly appreciate it. And um, we're not doing anything like um, uh, GoFundMe or anything like that. This is how we're trying to support it. So, again, please, please, please buy it. Uh, if you actually um, click the image, you can see the calendar little kitten. Come on, who doesn't want like a little kitten calendar? Um, yeah, so thank you in advance. We appreciate it. That's all I have for today. Um, I will talk to you guys in two weeks. Again, always thanks for listening and don't forget to look on my website realemmymorgan.blogspot.com Go ahead and see any reviews on movies, TVs. I'm going to be doing the Power series finale review soon. Um, Bad Boys for Life will be up there soon. But yeah, thank you again for listening. Love you guys as always and um, enjoy your weekend. Still thirsty for more tea? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Spilled Tea PC. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Spilled Tea.